It's Wednesday, February 2nd. I'm Sarah Y. Kim. Maryland's COVID numbers continue to go in the right direction, down. State lawmakers and housing advocates push for legislation this session to hold landlords more accountable when it comes to evictions. Thousands of firefighters from across the country and abroad came to Baltimore today to honor three of their own killed in the line of duty last month. And Baltimore County's executive says he's keeping his campaign promise to build two new high schools. It's The Daily Dose from WYPR, our latest reporting on Maryland's COVID-19 response and the local news of the day, made possible by GBMC Healthcare. COVID-related hospitalizations in Maryland are down by more than 150, according to the latest figures released today by the State Department of Health. There are now just over 1,500 people hospitalized with the virus in the state. The positivity rate is also down by nearly a full percentage point to 7.68 percent. Maryland Congressman and U.S. House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer has tested positive for COVID-19. He says he's vaccinated and boosted and is experiencing mild symptoms. Hoyer says in line with CDC guidelines, he'll be working from home this week and will utilize proxy voting. Governor Larry Hogan ordered all flags to be flown at half-staff today in honor of Baltimore's three fallen firefighters. Both the U.S. and Maryland state flags were to remain lowered through sunset this evening. A joint memorial service for the firefighters was held this morning at the Baltimore Convention Center. And we'll have a story on that from our City Hall reporter in just a few moments. A consultant's report is making more than 170 recommendations Baltimore County could follow that would save it as much as $730 million over five years. WYPR's John Lee reports the proposals are wide-ranging, from making changes in health care for county employees to recycling the porcelain in old toilets for road and sidewalk construction. The report finds that the county is already working on more than 40 percent of the proposed recommendations. Baltimore County Executive Johnny Oshevsky says it shows the county is on the right track. We should find ways to improve the quality of service, uh, but also to improve the efficiency with which those services are, are delivered. So basically, do more and save money in the process. Other ideas include offering online courses at the community college and growing wildflowers in medians to cut down on mowing. The county paid Public Works LLC $600,000 to conduct the study. The report cautions Baltimore County that it's at risk of a cyber attack, like the one that crippled the school system in November 2020. John Lee, WIPR News. Baltimore City State's Attorney Marilyn Mosby appeared on MSNBC last night to say she's innocent of the federal charges against her. On the readout with Joy Reid, Mosby and her attorney, A. Scott Bolden, said that the charges are politically motivated and timed to coincide with the upcoming election. Mosby will be arraigned Friday on two counts each of perjury and false statements on mortgage applications in her purchase of two Florida vacation homes. Three Baltimore City firefighters who lost their lives in the line of duty were honored at a memorial service at the Baltimore Convention Center this morning. WYPR's Emily Sullivan reports. Lieutenant Paul Buttram, Lieutenant Kelsey Sadler, and firefighter Kenny Lacayo died last month 
after a burning vacant home they were in partially collapsed. Edward Kelly, the president of the International Association of Firefighters, said on the way to that fire, the three were told that someone was trapped inside the building. They were told that somebody, some resident of West Baltimore that they had never met, was in danger of dying. And they decided that somebody was worth dying for. For the first time in its 225-year history, the entire Baltimore City Fire Department was out of service today. Firefighters from all corners of the state and Washington, D.C. filled in for their city peers so that every BCFD member could attend the service. They were joined by thousands of other firefighters from as far as France and Canada. Baltimore Mayor Brandon Scott said that President Biden called to offer his condolences. Josh Fannin, president of the local firefighters union, spoke on behalf of the family of Lieutenant Buttram. He called his friend an avid Red Sox fan and gym rat who loved pranking his team. He had this ability to deliver a joke in a quick, dry way with a straight face and wait until you picked up on it. Once he saw you smiling, he would burst out laughing. Buttram earned an exemplary performance award in 2015 for saving an unconscious young child from an apartment fire. And he loved camping with his son, Nolan, who died three years ago at the age of two. He was born to be a father, and he and Nolan were inseparable. Buttram is survived by his wife, Rachel. Lieutenant Kelsey Sadler's sister, Lacey Marino, said she was all gas, no brakes, that she was a creative force up for any and all challenges. But that was our girl. Strong words, strong feelings, and very strong hugs. She was the best hugger. Hugs so strong you felt like she would bruise you. Family, which included her co-workers, was Sadler's purpose. Her sister said Sadler was the cool aunt, the rock of Engine 14, and a fiercely devoted wife to her husband Brandon and stepmom. Her love for Brandon extended and encompassed her beautiful stepdaughter Mila. She loves Mila, just like she would be her own. They share a sassy, independent, strong attitudes. Firefighter Kenny Lacayo was engaged to Clara Fenelon at the time of his death. She said he was a gentle soul who never let her open a door and a protector of those he loved. Our therapist once asked what love meant to the two of us. I remember Kenny and I looking at each other and saying, I will die for you. God knows I meant it. I know he did, too. Following the remembrances came the firefighter's last alarm, a tradition for those who have died in the lines of duty. In the past, firefighters were summoned to a blaze by a bell, and when the fire was out, the bell was again rung to signal the completion of the call. Their tasks completed, their duties well done. We will once again sound their last alarm. After the ceremony, the families of Buttram, Sadler, and Lacayo walked alongside their caskets down Conway Street, flanked by a sea of blue fire personnel. Emily Sullivan, WYPR News.
State lawmakers joined housing advocates and renters Tuesday, calling on the General Assembly to pass a package of renter protection bills. Most bills in a similar package last year failed to pass. One victory for housing advocates in the last legislative session was the passage of an Access to Counsel bill, which creates a program to guarantee lawyers for renters facing eviction. The catch? A separate bill that would have funded that program failed. That bill is once again on the agenda of Advocacy Coalition Renters United Maryland and is one of the five key bills in a 2022 housing justice package by lawmakers. Christina Carranza from Prince George's County was among the renters who spoke at a press conference Tuesday. She says funding for legal counsel will help keep her and her children housed. Carranza received an eviction notice during the pandemic. She shared her story, a familiar one, through a translator. And I've never been late on my rent. I've never felt them on rate on rent payments. And during the pandemic, I lost my job. But to the office, to the leasing office and management, that did not matter. Anne Arundel County has its own access to counsel program. But Lisa Sorrow, general counsel for Arundel Community Development Services, says counties need state support. It has proved itself to be worthwhile over and over and over. Um, we are hopeful that we'll get some state funding um, for that program because it's they're difficult for counties to to afford on their own. Senator Shelley Hedelman, a Baltimore County Democrat, is sponsoring two of the bills in this year's housing justice package. One would require landlords to show proof of a valid rental license if they want to do special fast-track eviction procedures. We want to make sure that landlords are fulfilling their obligations in terms of providing safe and secure housing and shouldn't be able to kind of use a workaround to be able to evict people if they're not upholding the law on their end. The other bill Hedelman is sponsoring would empower Maryland courts to pause evictions for renters awaiting emergency rental assistance. Getting that money takes time and for renters facing eviction, it can't come fast enough. Lisa Sorrow says Arundel Community Development Services has helped prevent evictions for more than 1,600 households since March of 2021, using $20 million in assistance funds. But that money does not go out as quickly as renters would need it. But it is really hard work getting uh, that money out the door. And we are not the only uh, county that is struggling. Montgomery County Democrat Delegate Janelle Wilkins is sponsoring a bill that would require landlords to provide just cause if they decide to refuse a lease renewal to a tenant. That would close a loophole landlords have used to evict tenants behind on rent. So it's absolutely critical that we ensure that renter protections are passed this year. And another bill would give renters access to rental assistance programs, legal representation and other resources the day of a trial. Zephyr Shaw from the Public Justice Center stressed that without renter protections, those primarily hurt will be people of color. We've heard already in this legislative session that there was no eviction tsunami, that there's no crisis, and that federal rent relief in and of itself is the only solution. So why bother with legislative solutions? And I think that the response to that narrative is to look at who is being left behind in this economic recovery. According to a U.S. Census Household Pulse survey, as of January, more than 130,000 Maryland renters feel they're very likely or somewhat likely going to be evicted in the next two months. The majority of those renters are Latino or Black and live with children.
Baltimore County Executive John Yashevsky announced Tuesday he will keep his campaign promise to build a new high school for Delaney and a like-new high school for Towson. As WYPR's John Lee reports, it's been a $300 million political problem that's taken Oshevsky four years to solve. Oshevsky promised four years ago when running for county executive that he would build new high schools for Towson and Delaney. Here he is speaking at a 2018 candidates forum. We have to stop coming up with excuses as to why we can't do these big things and do them right now. But after four years of excuses, what's changed, according to Oshevsky, is money. There had been concern that if the county paid for two new high schools, it would be robbing Peter to pay Paul. Other schools in the county would not get what they needed. The county is expecting $65 million additional dollars from the state for school construction. Oshevsky now plans to put in his next budget, planning and design money for both schools. We're thrilled that we're positioned to do this, um, to raise the bar for all of our kids without compromising any of our projects. It still will be years before students walk through the doors of the new schools. First, there has to be studies and designs for both projects, according to County School Board Chair Julie Hen. Once that commences, we'll then start to be able to put a more definitive timeline around that and have some some dates and some specifics and understand what we're looking at in terms of scope for both projects. Both Towson and Delaney are old buildings. Towson is the most overcrowded high school in the county. Delaney's problems include bursting steam pipes and rusty drinking water. New high schools cost around $150 million, give or take, according to officials. Replacing Towson High is more problematic because part of the building is protected by historic designation. So the historic part of the school likely will be renovated and the other parts torn down and replaced. School Board Chair Hen says she's confident the historic designation issue will get worked out. This isn't the first time the school system has worked on projects where there have been elements or architectural elements of historical significance. Baltimore County Democratic Delegate Kathy Forbes, who represents Towson, said Oshevsky's commitment is a major step forward. She said school construction was put off for years by the county. Oshevsky and the late Kevin Kamenitz before him had been playing catch-up. What we've shown our kids with these delays is that we don't think they deserve better conditions. It's been a long, torturous political road. Forbes says she's been pushing for a new Towson High for at least seven years. School board chair Hen says the board first made replacement schools for Delaney and Towson a priority in 2017. The issue got tangled up in the 2018 governor's race. County Executive Kamenitz and Governor Hogan had been dueling for years over school construction in the county. Kamenitz was running for governor that year and promised a new high school for Delaney. That 2018 promise was not kept. Oshevsky's promise is good news for families in central Baltimore County, according to Republican County Councilman David Marks, who represents Towson. It's taken a lot longer, uh, but I think in the end we'll have a good outcome. Yara Sheikh, president of Delaney's PTSA, says Oshevsky is keeping his campaign promise. And that's important to communities. That's what establishes trust. Oshevsky says the additional state money will be used for schools across Baltimore County, not just Delaney and Towson. John Lee, WIPR News. We cover the news of the day here on The Daily Dose, but it's also a platform for listeners like you. We're planning a special episode on how COVID has impacted learning and teaching. 
And we'd especially like to hear from our educators about what these challenging times have been like for you in and out of the classroom. If you want us to be in touch with you, or if you just want to leave a comment for us to play on an upcoming episode, leave us a voicemail. The number 410-235-6060. We've also got a button on the WYPR app so you can record a voice memo that way too. Just tap Daily Dose Comments on the app or give us a call. The number again, 410-235-6060. We're always happy to hear from you, and we'll be here for you again on Friday. The Daily Dose is brought to you by WYPR, made possible by GBMC Healthcare. Big thanks to my colleagues on the WYPR news team, Rachel Bay, John Lee, Joel McCord, Emily Sullivan, and Callan tanzel Suddeth. Our digital content director is Jamila Krempel, and our general manager is LaFontaine Oliver. The executive editor of The Daily Dose is Danielle Irby. Stay healthy, stay sane, and stand together. I'm Sarah Y. Kim. Thanks for listening. <laughs>